You have, you have it all figured out, or you want to make an additional comment, that's fine too, in the description of Jesus. I was, chat- I was chatting with Paul um, after the service this morning about the description of Jesus, and another thought popped into my head about how his reference of the wool being white and and how that's also a reference of him being the Lamb of God and how he's the spotless, clean, white, wool Lamb of God. And so I just thought that was another beautiful kind yeah. of addition to tying all of his characteristics of who he is um, in his final appearing of, of in glory. Yeah, very good. Yes, and if you're interested, uh, each of those descriptions, if you dive in deeper to them, you will discover some references that it's relating to uh, from the Old Testament specifically and how that relates to uh, the description that we find of Jesus in there. So it's very, we just just skimmed the surface this morning on most of those. I really like the language in um, verse 12. You don't often read, I turned to see the voice. You know, you might say, I turned to see a person or a thing. But the language is, it's just really neat. I turned to see the voice. And it just makes me think that God speaks, right? He spoke, spoken to creation. He's speaking here to John. And he still speaks to us through his voice in his word. So I was just meditating on that a bit. I have a thought. And we're thinking about, uh, or talking this morning about Jesus and, and what John saw. And um, I'm just wondering, when we, get, when we are in heaven, will we be able to look at Jesus? Um, you know, we can't, we can't look at, it, throughout the Old Testament, we don't look at God, you know. So, what will he look like? And I go back to Genesis chapter 3, and with the fall of um, Adam and Eve, and um, it says here that God was walking in the garden, and he called out to them. So, will we, will we be walking with Christ? It's just a thought. Yeah, good thought. I think there's a few description of Jesus. So on the transfiguration, obviously he shone like the sun. In John here, or in Revelation here, we see that the glory just kind of almost overwhelms John as far as what he sees. But on the road to Aramaeus, we also see that Jesus is with the disciples and he's in his glorified body. So whether he's veiled the glory aspect of himself, they did uh, in a sense, humanly see that, although in the upper room they were questioning whether this is a ghost. So we have kind of these different depictions of Jesus in his glorified state. And yet, he took fish, he could eat, right? and he, he uh, could speak, he talked with them, he was with them for 40 days uh, before his ascension. So we have these kind of glimpses into it. What will we see when we get there? No, we can't ask the ones that have gone there already, so 
going to be an interesting one for us. Good. Revelation 21. It's interesting in 19 and near the end, and we will get to that eventually down the line, but uh, we're looking at a great white throne judgment. We're looking at uh, the final outcome to Satan and to death and to Hades, uh, all of which will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's the end. Um, If we look at what kind of hell is to the final destination, it's the lake of fire. And uh, so that's described there. It also describes anyone whose name's not found in the written in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's their final destination. After that, chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I was in a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down. I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and it goes on to describe what that looks like, what the new Jerusalem is, what uh, kind of the aspects of this new heavens, new earth is, and this describes for us what the our eternal destination is all about. So when we're talking about heaven, um, this question kind of came up, we should kind of dive into heaven, and so did a little bit of just research, uh, do you not claim to have exhausted all that Scripture kind of refers to in heaven. Um, and then to kind of give us just a quick, um, kind of just a foundation is that we do all recognize that, as even Margaret and I were speaking earlier this evening, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So we understand that, that that's where we will be. We'll be in His presence in some fashion, some way, we will be with the Lord if we uh, have left this world, or if we uh, see Him, He returns, and we will be with Him and meet with Him in the air, that uh, scenario. So we know that we will be with the Lord. That is a, a thing. But there's a lot of descriptive words, a lot of usage for heaven that is found in Scripture. Sometimes it's speaking about heaven in the sense of uh, kind of the atmosphere, God has created the heavens and the earth, and it's talking about the kind of the sky and the atmosphere. Sometimes it's talking about the universe, the created uh, aspect of uh, the universe. Sometimes it's talking about a place that's kind of not in time and space, and God resides and abodes in heaven. And uh, so it's talking about a few things when it talks about heaven and the way it's used. So we're going to kind of just dive into a few of, I think, there we go. Number one, we know that from Deuteronomy and Matthew, God's dwelling place is in heaven. Okay, God's dwelling right now is in heaven. That's where it's listed as. Uh, that's where he resides uh, in heaven. We know that angels live there. Matthew 28, Luke 2, Hebrews chapter 12. I'll talk about the fact that uh, the angels live in heaven. They live in, with, uh, with God in God's presence. They serve God. And so we know that. We know it's the place that the, the saints go to. Right? In Luke 16 and Hebrews chapter 12, we know that the saints go uh, to heaven. Uh, it's an immediate place of conscious existence. So I firmly believe from the Scripture passages, Luke 16, Luke 23, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Revelation, and Philippians, uh, that we are looking to uh, a place that we are conscious in. So... 
when we die here, we are uh, immediately in the presence of the Lord. We are conscious of that. Um, and unlike some other religious beliefs that believe that we are in a soul sleep type of scenario, oh, that's not uh, found in Scripture. If you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.13... But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep meaning those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. So the reference here is specifically referring to the fact that uh, when we die, we will be uh, we don't have to grieve because we will be in the presence of the Lord. There's hope that uh, Paul is explaining here. He'll go on to describe what that looks like and to give them that hope of what's going to take place following. But we are an immediate place of consciousness in our existence. Heaven, it's interesting, is most often described as and almost always referred to as up. Um, so Mark and Luke kind of describe that as if in the heavens or entirely outside of time and space. So heaven is described as an up. Um, we know we live on a circular world, so that kind of makes kind of interesting thought because if everyone thinks it's up, then where is that um, dimension? Uh, is it uh, like kind of in a dimension somewhere? Is it outside of time and space? Obviously, God has created the universe. Um, like the Truth Project describes it as a box, right? That God has created the universe. He's outside of that time and space. Um, but most references refer to it up. Heaven is where Christ came from. Uh, John 6.42 describes. And then where he will return to. Uh, he, or he returned to it in Acts 1.11. And then it states that's where he will again come from, is from Acts uh, 1.11. And so uh, we know Christ came from there, and he returned there, and he will return back again from there. God's people long for heaven. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5, Hebrews 11, Philippians 3, and 2 Timothy 4, that we are to long for heaven. Uh, it's a place that we long for. We are in heaven uh, we are in heaven with Christ. This is an interesting concept from Ephesians and Colossians that says that we are seated with Christ at, in the heavenlies. So even though we're physically here as a born-again believer, we are in a sense and in essence with Christ right now in heaven. There is no sin. There's no death. There's no decay. Matthew and Romans give us that description uh, of heaven, that there is no sin in heaven, no death, and no decay. The redeemed described as shining and wearing white robes. Daniel, Matthew, Revelation all kind of give that uh, description that the redeemed, um, you know, are shining and white robed. A place of great joy from Psalm 16. If you want this after, if you're trying to get all this, I can send it to you. You don't have to try to write all these things down. Uh, our names are written there, right? And it's even said in uh, Revelation that we just read 22 that uh, 
21, that uh, those whose names were not written in the book of life, in chapter sorry, 20, uh, those whose names are not found in the book of life are thrown into the lake of fire. Our names are written there if we're a born-again believer. And Luke and Hebrews and Revelation. We're given a new name. Do you know what the passage actually says in Revelation 2.17? A new name that only we know. Which is an interesting thing. And we will dive in a little bit onto that uh, in the week to come. But uh, we're given a new name. Names are important if you look through the Old Testament. Uh, there's a very deep significance to names and the names given. And so uh, we are given a new name. Heaven, uh, in heaven we will be with Christ. Right? That's the joy and the hope of the believers, that we're going to be with Christ. And, uh, and nothing else matters, really. That's the, the main aspect of everything here. Philippians 1 and John 14 that we will be with Christ. Transitions of heaven. It's, I, I use the word transitions and not kind of the word I, I think best suits it. But Isaiah 14 talks about heaven before sin. Now, if you want to wrap your mind around something, uh, Satan was in heaven when Satan rebelled. So, you can just start to try to digest all of what that means. Uh, but there's a description of heaven uh, before sin. Um, Luke 16 refers to Abraham's bosom, that those Old Testament saints who have died are in a kind of a waiting place in Abraham's bosom. Ephesians 4 and 2 Corinthians, believers, uh, in the pre- believers are in the presence of Jesus. Right? And so as believers, when we die, we are absent from the body. We're present with the Lord. And Revelation 20 talks about Christ ruling with the saints. Revelation 21 and 22 talk about the new heavens and the new earth, our eternal destination and home. And so when you start looking at kind of what is described through Scriptures as heaven, we have some different facets to this uh, as we go through these things. It's set up like a sanctuary. Scripture tells us that it's set up like the sanctuary, uh, the uh, Holy of Holies, as described in Hebrews 8, 9, and 23, 24. has many rooms. John 14 tells us, right, I've gone to prepare a place for you. God, there are many rooms in this place, um, and mansions some describe as, and rooms, so we're each going to have that. Um, and that's an interesting thing, so... Before our resurrected bodies, we, this is just a speculation, but it's possible that we may have temporary pre-resurrected bodies. We don't know. Maybe we don't. Um, but if you read through Luke 16, Revelation, John, those passages up there, uh, they refer to the fact that as a created human being, we really do have uh, body, soul, spirit. And so whether are we going to be disjointed from that uh, before our resurrected bodies? Are we going to receive a temporary uh, outfit uh, before? Not sure. This is just speculation. We're not told in Scripture specifically what we will receive. It's just that uh, our bodies do kind of make up who we are, and I believe our resurrected body will have some resemblance of this, uh, this body, although we don't know. Uh, we will worship God. So this will be the 
primary aspect of what our role and responsibility is, that we will be worshiping God. Um, some have still thought, well, that, forever and ever, that kind of just seems... Uh, I, I don't think we fully grasp the magnitude of uh, how we will be drawn to worship God. Uh, I think we, we have that struggle here in our own flesh, um, you know, for ourself and, and our worship, uh, where we will not have that struggle. And so our entire focus and attention will be on uh, what, who God is and just the the magnificence and the wonder, and I think our worship will just be drawn to that. And I think we can't fathom that here, but uh, we see glimpses, I think, of it in our time of worship at times and moments. But uh, for all eternity, we'll be worshiping God. We will have intellect and emotion. I firmly believe that we will have our, you know, we're not, not going to lose our minds. We will have uh, an intellect I do believe we have emotion. Now, you could argue, well, there's no tears in heaven, but it actually says there's no tears of sorrow. They never say there's no tears of joy. And actually, the joyous re, you know, is emotion when we're worshiping. Is it's a drawing of our emotion. So I would argue that I think we have an emotion I don't think it's tainted with sin in the flesh, but I think it's, uh, it's going to be there, uh, that we will be still emotional in our makeup. So I believe that we will. I just think it will be fully sanctified and glorified, and we will um, maybe express that in our worship of God. From heaven, God exercises wrath against the godlessness on earth says that uh, God is exercising his wrath from heaven, Romans 1, Revelation 6 and 13. Uh, give us that description. In heaven, the redeemed receive their rewards. And so we see from Matthew, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that there will be rewards given to those who are faithfully serving the Lord. If you look through, there's at least five crowns described through Scripture. Uh, James 1 and Revelation 2 mention the crown of life. Uh, 1 Corinthians mentions it's an incorruptible crown. 1 Thessalonians and Philippians 4, a crown of rejoicing. 1 Peter 5, a crown of glory. And 2 Corinthians 4, a crown of righteousness. These could be five different crowns. It could be the same crown. Uh, is it a crown or is it just a descriptive measure of what the reward is? Uh, scripture also tells us there's a good possibility we'll just cast the crown back down at Jesus' feet because we don't deserve it. There are a number of different aspects and mystery uh, revolving around this, but the scriptures are clear on those uh, things that describe that. There's rest from earthly work and toil, but we will be serving. So we're going to rest from the earthly toil, and we know that the earthly toil and the work that we're involved in is a, is a result of Adam and Eve's sin. Adam's sin in the garden uh, resulted in the toil and the work that we have here, and uh, the you know stress, anxiety, and all that's wrapped up with with that um, is a result of sin. But we will be serving the Lord in some aspect, in some way. How he's divided that up. And so those passages talk about how we will be serving. We will reign with Christ. We're told that we have that uh, responsibility to reign with him. And 
How that looks, again, is a mystery. There's no real clear definition of this is how you're going to reign. With Christ is what you're going to be doing. Uh, But it does talk about the fact that we will reign with him. At the center of the new creation is the new Jerusalem. And so in that new heavens, new earth that's created, John sees this picture of the new Jerusalem coming down to earth. Uh, There's the description there. It's filled with beauty. There's light, water, trees, fruit, travel in and out, contains animals. Um, You can eat and drink. Um, Some of, I guess, where it it begins to be a little, uh, I'll use the word cloudy, but no pun intended for heaven, where it gets to be a little cloudy is that uh, references to the new heavens and and our eternal destination uh, can sometimes be used when we talk about kind of heaven even today, right? So we are kind of sometimes mix and blend those two things. However, there is a separation of what the new heavens, new earth, the eternal destination looks like, and uh, our kind of absent from the body, present with the Lord time now is a time of waiting. We're waiting, going to be waiting for our re- resurrected, our glorified bodies. We're going to be waiting to reign with Christ. And so there's kind of what that looks like, and we're not fully given the full picture, the whole description of what that is and what, what will we be doing, what, what will that look like. Again, we'll be with Christ, so that's the most important thing, but we're not given a definition. We begin to get a little clearer picture in Revelation as to what the eternal destination looks like, how that's described, how that is unfolded for us. Oh, I guess that's it. Um, so I'm sure that's a lot of information. I can give you the points that we have, so that's not a problem. I can print off those points. Um, but as you're kind of working it through, Sam's got a microphone in the back. You're welcome to chime in. It's not an exhaustive uh, description. Um, yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was reading with my wife um, through uh, one of John MacArthur's books about the book of Revelation. And um, when it talked about the uh, heaven and earth passing away and being rolled up like a scroll and, and they're not able to be before the, the throne of God, um, the comments were that he is the creator. Back in Genesis, he spoke it into, begin, into, the be, into being. And he's the decreator. And he decreates all the stuff we see around us. And he creates something new in the new heavens and the new earth. And, uh, you know, just like a, a caterpillar can't understand flying. Uh, you know, we will see something new. And, uh, and that was just an idea that was beyond my understanding. Didn't he use the word recreator at the end, I think? No? No. Oh. He's the re- recreate, right? Then recreates. Yeah. Very good, good. When I think of the uh, the new heaven and new earth, uh, or what heaven will be like, I, I I wonder if it'll be like what God created in the first place was the Garden of Eden. 
because, you know, everything was perfect there. And uh, so I firmly believe that there will be animals and, and plants and trees and things to eat there for us. Um, but uh, just a little, just want some clarification here on, re on 20, uh, chapter 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The very first verse of the Bible says God created the heavens, plural. So I just wonder, so the heavens, would that be the expanse of everything? You know, and here in 21, it's just singular, a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and I guess the second part of my question is, um, will there still be a heaven and an earth? So, I'm, I, have, I have no idea. That's a possibility. From my research uh, studying, a lot of commentators believe that when it's singular in form, it's because there's the description that we aren't going to need the sun, that God will be uh, the illumination. So there's a good possibility there's no real atmosphere and universe uh, because God will be filling all of that space. And so it's just a heaven. God still will, God doesn't necessarily completely reside on the created earth, so there's a possibility that there's a the heaven where God will be, but it also kind of gives us that idea that there's a possibility we can kind of move around. Um, we may not be just limited to. There's a, there's a whole mystery surrounding all that. We're not given the answers to all of that. We're just showing little pieces uh, to kind of get our appetite wet. We probably couldn't fully comprehend it all anyways, so he probably doesn't try to unfold it all for us. Don't text or call me, though. <laughs> One of the things that came to me was, you know, we think of eternity. Well, how long is eternity? And then I realized that, I'm not quite sure how this fits in, but in eternity, or in heaven, there is no time. Like, we're so geared to everything is time. How long it takes to get there? How long is this? And, but in heaven, time is no more. So it's not going to be a long time. We just kind of exist forever and ever, and time's not an issue. So it's not like, man, i got to be here for a long time. Mm -hmm. Again, can't fully wrap our minds around it, could we? Because we live in time and space. One of the purposes of the star and the sun and the moons is, is times and seasons. And seeing as that won't be necessary anymore, I don't think we, we need that. Yeah. But um, because God is limitless, our experience in heaven will also be limitless. Yes, yes. I, and I firmly believe someone has asked, will we keep learning? I believe we'll keep learning. We keep discovering. We keep learning more and more about who God is right through. We never, I don't believe we ever reach that because if we did, then we would be God. So uh, we can't fully ever reach the, that full understanding. We'll continue to learn. Sarah. Just helps everybody. Okay. Do you think we're going to remember what life was like here when Christ returns? 
And that's a good question, and it's a debatable issue. So some are on one side, some are on the other side. Some don't believe so, some believe so. Um, Bible doesn't clearly give us that indication. I believe we kind of do. Um, and taking this parable, uh, we have to understand there are some limits to what Jesus was trying to describe with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. But there was in that parable definitely an understanding and a recollection, uh, even a thought of, oh, my, my kid's back home, that sort of thing, right? There was that aspect of a, of a memory. So um, whether that's giving us precedent for that, right, we're not sure exactly uh, on that. How old are we going to be? Well, we will be ageless, that's for sure. I believe so. But we're not told uh, what age we will actually be. And that is a good speculation question. Uh, Greg, that'll keep you up at night. Uh, Yeah, we're not told, so we don't know. Um, But we will be in a glorified body, so it will be the best. So whatever that looks like and whatever age that is. uh, Because it will be ageless, so there is no real age anyway, so... But interesting questions to think about. Anyone else? Good. Well, thank you for your input and discussion. See me after. I can, I'll email you some of the notes if you would like to receive them so that you have kind of the passages described here. Uh, or if you just want the PowerPoint, because you can bring that up on your computer, you can have that too. I have a tendency to send that to everybody anyways in our congregation. So... <laughs> Continue to pray. Pray for uh, the needs that we have listed off uh, in, uh, that we've been praying for as our congregation. Um, so continue to pray for those needs uh, this week. And Lord, just thank you that we have an opportunity, Lord, to dive into your word. And we're trying to um, kind of discover what it says about heaven. We recognize that there are different facets to that. We recognize that there is kind of different uh, things that happen at different points in time as well, and that we look forward to our eternal destination, Lord, we look forward to uh, living forever and ever in the uh, new heavens and the new earth that you're going to create, uh, recreate here on earth, and Lord, we also recognize that, uh, Lord, as a follower of you, believer in you, redeemed, uh, that, uh, Lord, when we leave here, we are just stepping into your very presence. And so that is really the bottom line. That's all that really matters, even though we don't fully understand all these other aspects uh, completely. We're given glimpses into things. We're seeing some pictures of what, uh, what uh, it's all about. Um, but ultimately, to be in your presence, uh, there will be nothing like it. We thank you and praise you for those uh, of our friends and loved ones who are already there already worshiping at your feet, already there in your presence and enjoying all that that means for them. And we look forward to to joining them. We look forward to being in your presence. And we ultimately look forward to uh, what that looks like in our eternal hope, Lord. So thank you for giving us these glimpses into the glory of what you have in store for us. While we're here, we're commanded to be faithful. We're commanded to be obedient. We're commanded to long for and look forward to um, and to serve you well and to live uh, well, Lord, live out the righteous holiness that you require from us and what you desire us to be living and 
Lord, we need your help. We need your spirit that's in us to, to accomplish this task. And may we continue to uh, dive into your word daily in prayer and in reading and memorizing and putting it to our heart. And may we love one another as you've commanded us to. In Jesus' name, amen.